to be born. You didn't want me to be born either. With a calamity on both sides. What is the feminine for your word? That's what I am. I knew you were married and I walked right in with my eyes wide open. I'm immune to happiness. You weren't immune that night on the mountain. You call that happiness? My darling, you are crying. These are only tears of gratitude. Don't talk like that. You see, no one ever called me darling led me to suppose. Much worse. I can only hope that a shameful episode of your life is completely past. Come out at once. Go to your cabin. I don't care. I'm glad. I can't work in the dark when there's a child in the picture. I'll tell you everything. ago now voyager came into the forefront this was betty davis in her prime betty davis was and still is an icon yes she's mentioned in the madonna song but that's really just a madonna song Okay, Joan Crawford isn't mentioned. Welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. Irving Rapper, Rapper, directed Now Voyager, and it came out 80 years ago on October 22nd, 1942. Gladys Cooper played Betty Davis's mother, the amazing Gladys Cooper. Paul Henreid and Claude Rains. Hmm. This this film is I pause because I mean I've seen this film so many times, and I, of course where they're smoking under the moon and oh my god oh my god and an, another person in this is Mary Wicks you know Mary Wicks from Sister Act and um, the Fa- Father Dowling mysteries oh yes I remember those hilarious and she's even in now Voyager so. <sighs> This film, this film really is, this really is within the the Betty Davis legacy. She was just, oh, geez. Filming ran from April 7th to June 23rd of 1942 as producer Halby Wallace 
made now Voyager his first independent production at Warner Brothers. Under a new arrangement with the studio, he took an active role in the production, including casting decisions. The initial choices for Charlotte were Irene Dunn, Norma Shear, and Ginger Rogers. When Betty Davis learned about the project, she campaigned for and won the role. More than any other of her previous films, Davis became absorbed in the role, not only reading the original novel, but also becoming involved in details, such as choosing her wardrobe personally, consulting with designer Ori Kelly. She suggested a drab, drab outfit, including an ugly four-load dress for Charlotte initially to contrast with the stylish, timeless creations that mark her later appearance on the cruise ship. The choice of Davis's leading men became important as well. Davis was at the initial costume and makeup tests of Austrian actor Paul Henrid. She thought the slicked back gigolo look like appearance made him look just like Valentino. Henrid was similarly uncomfortable with the brimtine image and when Davis insisted on another screen test with a more natural hairstyle, he was finally accepted as a choice for her screen lover. In her 1987 memoir, This and That, Davis revealed that her co-star, Claude Rains, whom she shared the screen in Juarez and Mr. Skellington and Deception, was her favorite co-star. Yep. It doesn't get any better than Betty Davis. It really doesn't. She was nominated for Best Actress for Now Voyager, as was Gladys Cooper, who was nominated for Best Supporting Actress. The score won... For best uh, music scoring, Max Steiner. It really is a legendary film. It's legendary. It's Betty Davis at her absolute best. Absolute best. And to talk about Betty Davis in that context, because you know everyone all about Eve. Whatever happened to Baby Jane? Yeah, that's Betty Davis at really the at the top and she's older. But Betty Davis in her prime. My god. The Bob all right? Yes, thank you. Excellent. Good. Uh, would you excuse me long enough to send a cable I promised my wife? I should have sent it this morning. All right? Yes, thank you. Excellent. Good. Uh, would you excuse me long enough to send a cable? I promised my wife. I should have sent it this morning. Isabel gets nervous. Of course. You must send it at once. Yeah, while well, I'm gone. Since we just met this morning, how could you possibly? Keep up. I won't be long. He wishes he understood me. He wishes. Well, that's done. Miss Bonchon, I've taken the liberty of ordering us controls. You know, mm. you're quite different from what I expected. 
How am I different? You're so much more comfortable to talk to, Miss Beauchamp. So Please much... listen. I'm not Miss Beauchamp. Rene is in Arizona somewhere. But this morning, the cruise manager introduced... I know. The head waiter and the deck steward, they all think I'm Miss Beauchamp. The person knows I'm not. I took Renee's space at the last moment, and it was too late for my name to go on the first passenger list. Do you intend to keep your identity a dark secret for the whole voyage? No, I, I would have corrected the mistake earlier. Only there was such a crowd, it would have been awkward, and I don't know why I'm telling you all this. A stranger. I'm awfully sorry. My name is Durrance. Uh, Jeremiah DeVoe Durrance. <laughs> Silly name, isn't it? My father named me after professor he was fond of. I was J.D. in college. Uh, my wife calls me J. DeVoe. But I'm Jerry to my friends. And now, won't you tell me who you are? My name is Vale. V-A-L-E. If it ever appears on the passenger list, it will be C. Vale, Boston, Massachusetts. And see, Betty Davis at the time... And a lot of people didn't think of her as a as a natural beauty or a, a glamorous beauty, and she was, she was, and so she was so in control of her instrument, being an actor. And I, I love what people say about her. You know how she looks so huge on screen; she had this commanding presence. And Ellen Burstyn, who got to know her, said she was very short. And here, you know, people. People were taken back by that, how short she really was in person. But on screen just looked gigantic. And she gave her some really great advice. And she says, my advice to you, dear, at the beginning of an illustrious career is to know who is your enemy. And she's like, and you know how you spot your enemy? Anyone who gets in the way of your work. That's something that Betty Davis learned early on. And in Now Voyager, she is de-glammed. She is, her character is not the character that we meet at the first half or the second half of the film. So it's just transformation. And Betty Davis was so good at that. I mean, Betty Davis was just, there's a reason why the American Film Institute has Betty Davis at number two. And Katherine Hepburn at number one. Because either way, they're both going to be in the top tier right there. You don't have film without Betty Davis. You just don't. Whether it's campy, and, I, and I've talked about campy on this show before. If you don't know what campy is, think of Bette Midler because she knows how to bring the camp. But Betty Davis, I think, invented the camp. In terms of how how she played a character, there's a one of my favorites of hers is the star, and she's working a makeup counter. She's an actress. She's working a makeup counter. She just got out of jail, and they start saying that's not really her. She she's better looking than that, and she says take a wild look, and she just lets them have it, and that really you know. Um, uh, Jenna Rowland said it best because she worked with Betty Davis. She said her whole thing was attitude. She would do really not nice girl things in the early days and she'd bring that attitude and she'd bring that voice out. And Betty Davis wasn't afraid to look unglamorous. And if you fucked with Betty Davis, woo, 
whether on screen or off screen, Joan Crawford knows. I wanted this is this is Betty Davis on um, Dick Cavett talking about Gladys Cooper and Claude Rains, and in this interview, Gladys Cooper had just died, and her affection for Gladys Cooper is just so felt. Oh, Jerry, don't let's ask for the moon when we have the stars. Was that how the line went that I did at the beginning? Oh, we have... Isn't it? We have the stars. Let's not ask for the moon. I don't know exactly how it goes, but it was a beautiful ending. Because, of course, the man in that was never going to be right for her. He was too weak. I always felt in Voyager that eventually she married Dr. Jack with my gorgeous Claude Rains. I always felt that. After the movie was all yeah. over, that she went and worked with him, you know, in his work. And Is that, did you often think of the movies that way, what happened beyond them? Because not of often, not often, but, yeah. but that was to me a, a great, great story. And by the way, speaking of that, that gorgeous woman, Miss Cooper, who played my mother, died last night. Gladys Cooper did? Oh, I'm sorry to hear And you know, um, without doubt, the most beautiful mm-hmm. person as well as actress. And a professional with all her fame and theaters named after her in England. And the great reigning beauty of England for a million years. Never was she late one minute. Never didn't she know every line. You know, we'd have been happy to have her if she'd worked half the day. Most beautiful. I am really sad. And then you think, as these people go, these beautiful people go, you know, it's, it's going to be a new world. We're not going to have those, that, that same kind of person anymore. Something to that. I was thinking about like that Like when today. Claude Rains died. You, you couldn't bear it. You can't find anybody that had... They're, they're all individuals. I had Gladys Cooper on the show when I was in London with uh, Robert Did Morley, you? and it was a wonderful uh, evening. Didn't you just think he she told was me wonderful? That her beauty was, how old was she? Uh, she was 82. Yeah. And uh, her beauty was really something. He said that in, in, at her, in her prime, yes, said if she no... changed an article of clothing or anything that she wore, it would she immediately was the, become the rage Literally of her, the rage of London for many, yeah. many years, yes. Yeah. There's something about that that thing you were saying, though, about we're not going to have certain kinds of people. I don't know. Well, maybe, you know, I'm not going to sit around and moan for the past. Yeah. Because, it, it, you know, it's past. It's very past in my life, too. And, you know, it, and of course, you also say, who's going next? You know, this is a terrible thing that happens. And you say, maybe it's I, you know. Yeah. But it, it is, for our profession, it is to me so terribly depressing. Hit you like when Walter Houston died. You can't cast, you can't get that kind of a man anywhere in the world today again. There won't be any more Walter Houston roles. Well, I'll tell you, the English, as they've always had the majority of great male actors, always. We've had more women, they've had more beautiful male actors. Do you have any idea why? I cannot understand it, but it's always been true since way back to Ronald Coleman, Herbert Marshall... Uh, C. Aubrey Smith, Hollywood has always been really predominated in the star category by Englishmen. Leslie, you know, all these beautiful Englishmen. Bob Herbert Hope. Marshall, Bob Hope. Oh, Bob Hope was born in England. I, that, that's not Well, uh, well not it's just thing. not the same thing. Yeah. But <laughs> we, we both noticed that as soon as I said it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. uh, for instance, Richard Harris is I don't know who of you saw the snow goose the other night, but oh boy. Oh boy, because you see, 
In a way, the Englishmen are, are, are more willing to play characters. Did you mean, oh boy, good, or oh boy, bad? Oh boy, good. Uh. Facts about my daughter you want or Lisa's fancies? Oh, just anything interesting. Charlotte was a late child. There were three boys, and after a long time, this girl. A child of my old age, I've always called her. I was well into my forties, and her father passed on soon after she was born. My ugly duckling. Of course, it's true that all late children are marked. Often such children aren't wanted. That can mark them. I've kept her close by me always. When she was young, foolish, I made decisions for her. Always the right decisions. One would think a child would wish to repay a mother's love and kindness. Oh, there you are, Charlotte. I'm so glad to see you. Hello, dear. Oh, uh, this is my very good friend, Mr. Jackwood. I ran into him on the street and brought him by for tea. I thought Mother would be pleased, and I... Well, I hoped you would be, too. How do you do, Miss Vale? Well, has the cat got your tongue, Charlotte? I apologize for my daughter's bad manners, Doctor. Mother, please. I will not countenance deceit, Lisa, against one of my own flesh and blood. But neither will I countenance any more of Charlotte's nonsense. Lisa tells me that your latest peculiarities... Your fits of crying, your secretiveness, indicate you're on the verge of a nervous breakdown. Is that what you're trying to achieve? Charlotte, dear, believe me, I was only trying to help you. Dr. Jackwith has a sanitarium in Vermont, I believe. Probably one of those places with a high wire fence and yowling inmates. Well, no, I wouldn't want anyone to have that mistaken notion. Cascade is just a place in the country. People come to it when they're tired. You go to the seashore, they come there. The very word psychiatry, Dr. Jackwith. Doesn't it fill you with shame, my daughter, a member of our family? There's nothing shameful about my work or frightening or anything else. It's very simple, really, what I try to do. People walk along the road. They come to a fork in the road. They're confused. They don't know which way to take. I just put up a signpost. Not that way. This way. Really, Mother? And so Betty Davis's character in the first half of the movie is seen as an ugly duckling. Charlotte Vale's an unattractive, drab, repressed spinster whose life is brutally dominated by her mother, Gladys Cooper, as an aristocratic Boston dowager whose verbal and emotional abuse of her daughter has contributed to Charlotte's complete lack of self-confidence. Miss Vale has already brought up three sons, and Charlotte was an unwanted child born to her late life. Fearing that Charlotte is now on the verge of a nervous breakdown, her sister-in-law, Lisa, introduces her to psychiatrist Dr. Jack With, Claude Rains, who recommends that she spend time in his sanitarium. Away from his her mother's control, Charlotte blossoms, and at Lisa's urging, the transformed woman opts to take a lengthy cruise instead of going home immediately. Uh, and on the ship, she meets Jeremiah Dova Dorance, 
Paul Henrid, a married man traveling with his friends. Yep. So I can see where what she says in terms of she really belongs with the doctor. Yep. Yep. And and that's a testament to Betty Davis as a character. And um, this performance is just exquisite. 80 years. Everyone from that is gone. Everybody. And it's it's an era that we have to preserve in terms of these film performances. Ended forever. You fool. Oh, you fool. Now you'll never have a home of your own or a man of your own or a child of your own. staying for lunch. What's his Harry today? Mother, Elliot and I have broken our engagement. What did you say? I said Elliot and I have broken our engagement. Why have you done that? Because I don't love him. Have you no sense of obligation to your family or to me? Here you have the chance to join our name Vale with one of the finest families in the city, Livingston. And you come in here and tell me that you're not in love. You're behaving like a romantic girl of 18. I don't doubt it. And what do you intend to do with your life? Get a cat and a parrot and live alone in single blessedness. Stop rocking. You've never done anything to make your mother proud. Or to make yourself proud either. Why, I should think you'd be ashamed to be born and live all your life as Charlotte Vale. Miss Charlotte Vale. Dr. Jacquez says that tyranny is sometimes expression of the maternal instinct. That's a mother's love. I want no part of it. I, I didn't want to be born. You didn't want me to be born either. It's been a calamity on both sides. Oh, mother, let's not quarrel. We've been getting along together so well lately. It was a horrid thing to say. I did it. I did it. Dora is played by none other than Mary Wicks. Here's uh, Sally Field talking about Betty Davis. She transitioned into uh, an actor then I could identify with. More than that, I think I appreciated that she was there and who she was and how Mm -hmm. she fought to get movies made. And uh, and all the movies that she did make are, whether you like them or not, they're always interesting and provocative. And just one right after another. One right after the other. So So how do you feel about Now Voyager? Well, I think it's an essential. You may not love the movie because, again, it is very much in this style of, 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 of acting. Bigger than life acting. Bigger than life, but it's wonderful. It's a wonderful, uh, unconventional love story, which at the time, most love stories were very conventional. It's dramatic, and it works, and, um, and the movie is, is thrilling. Yes. I think it's such an essential Betty Davis because it shows all the aspects of her. Mm-hmm. Where she can be the neurotic, you know, overweight Aunt Charlotte. My mother doesn't approve of dieting. And then she's the glamorous one 
a soft-spoken. I thought that men didn't like girls who were prudes. She could be tender. Yes. She's got these wonderful scenes with Gladys Cooper playing her mother. Yes. Where she's very, you know, very strong and forceful. I'm not afraid, Mom. You just see all shades of her. Yeah. And I like this story. It's an interesting story. It is. It yeah. Is. It's and a very complicated story. The fact it holds up so well all these years later. Yeah. Because that was another world, 1942. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what you do for us, though. That's what this show does for us. You know, you show us the worlds that we think are long gone, but yes. then when we see them, we realize how much we relate to, you know, all those years ago. Right. So let's see the movie. Okay. Here it is. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Can I just say, they said her character is overweight? What the fuck? By the 1940s standards? Okay, whatever. This is Betty Davis with Paul Henry in the 60s. Her newest film is being directed by Paul Henry um, on, the rocket, on the rocking chair. Anna, why don't we ask Don Sell to make me a two-piece dress? In other words, it would be just the skirt. Right. You think that would work? I think it would work perfectly because as you are pulling the skirt down, the body would fall on the floor. And from then on, I think you'd understand how you change clothes with that. <laughs> Oh, no. I thought you wanted to figure it by now. <laughs> but you know, I have a bigger problem than this. Intense and determined, for three decades, Betty Davis has forged her own unique identity as an actress and woman in the world of Hollywood and the stars. Um, I, I always like to conjure from other actors their, you know, what they think of the films. And this is a really great interview by guest programmer, the late Diane Carroll. Hi, I'm Robert Osborne. I'm back with this month's guest programmer, Diane Carroll beautiful star of stage and screen recently seen in the hit tv series white collar welcome back diane thank you it's nice to be here with you so good to have you here thank you now the next movie that diane chose for us is a classic from warner brothers in 1942 it's now voyagers starring betty davis paul henry and claude rains betty i understand one of your favorites oh without a doubt and why uh, because she she forged her own career. A very gifted woman mm -hmm. took all kinds of chances in front of the camera that I didn't feel from many of the other actresses. Her material at that time, for that period, was exquisite. Most of it was romantic. This was romantic with uh, Paul Henriette. And uh, so I, I'm, I'm very happy to say that I think she was my favorite during that period when I was learning from films, because that's where I did most of my learning, um, I, I, I think her work stands the thread of time, and I'm happy to have been there to see it when it was moving right along. So, you know, as you get older, you certainly have a kind of respect for those that allowed you to see them as they were getting older. Mm -hmm. And the fear of, for women, particularly some men too, but definitely for women, the fear of aging 
and what the industry will do to you or not. Her adjustment to that was painful, but um, it was part of her honesty. Mm -hmm. So I thanked her for that, too. Because she also, like you, had an envelope to push because she wasn't, she wasn't conventionally beautiful. Because the, the standard for beauty back when Betty was starting out was like Lana Turner, oh, Eddie Lamar. Oh, indeed, yes. You know, Rita Hayworth and yeah. those. And she wasn't of that type. She was not a glamour also, lady. Also, she yeah. wouldn't appear, you know, um, the famous story about her being in a movie where she gets all beaten up and they just put a little Band-Aid across here. She went to a doctor said, look, if I'd just been beaten up, you know, what would I look like? Fix me up. So he put, because she wanted to be real yes, on screen. always. And that was pushing in the envelope in a way that audiences weren't really ready for that. No. But she made us And she did it demand later. It. Remember when she did, what was it, Apple Annie? Yeah. And, um. Pocket Full of Miracles. That's it. The wonderful film. I love this woman, so I'm sorry I never met her. I didn't have the opportunity somehow. Well, you did once. Where did I On an it? airplane to Washington, D.C. Oh, that time. Yes, indeed. You. Well, how could... I'm sorry. <laughs> I was with my then husband, and uh, she sat down in back of us. And you remember this story. And she really was concerned with if the plane went well, she down. Said she said she got on in the first class area, and there were you and Vic Damone, and then... She had her seats behind you. Lucille Ball was there with Gary Morton. Angela Lansbury with Peter Shaw. So it was just, you know, really big names. Yes. And they were all going to Washington for the Kennedy Center Honors. And she got on the plane. And she was a little late getting on the plane. And she kind of stepped up and put her hand on the, the back of one of the seats. Seats, yes. <clears throat> she said... Now, if this plane crashes, <laughs> which one of us is going to get their name first in the newspaper? And it That's was, why I loved Everybody her. laughed. And it was on our minds, but nobody yeah, would say exactly. that except this wonderful, wild woman. And Lucy said, woman. oh, would it be you, Betty? You'll always get your name first. And that calmed her down. She I was remember. fine then. I'm so happy you reminded me of that. Yeah. That was a lovely memory. Well, let's see this lovely memory she left us from 1942. Please, yes. Here's the film, also with the wonderful Gladys Cooper from 1942, Now Voyager. And I wanted to play that because Robert Osborne, the late Robert Osborne, who died five years ago, had was this vast, uh, had this vast knowledge of classic film. And the late Angela Lansbury, who died this month, you know, if it wasn't for Robert Osborne and TCM, she wouldn't have gotten that honorary Oscar because TCM really remembered all of the films that Angela Lansbury had done because all of the filmmakers she had worked with were gone. And with Betty Davis, for them to talk about Betty Davis and Diane Carroll, Diane Carroll, who was this glamorous actress and really brought her own attitude to characters i remember being a kid in the 80s she was on dynasty and she and and then she was on a, a different world where she played whitley's mother so 
Diane Carroll is in the same context as Betty Davis and these these actors of the classic era. I mean, she was nominated for Claudine. She did uh, Julia in the 1960s, where she played a nurse. So, you know, talk about pushing the envelope. So for her to really admire Betty Davis is just amazing. And, I mean, now Voyager, here we are, 80 years. 80 years of a classic. 1942. And, oh my God. If you've never seen the film, oh, go watch it. Uh, I'm going to play a very pivotal moment, basically the end of the film. It's such a beautiful film. Shall we just have a cigarette on it? He lights her cigarette, and that's that's a classic moment right there. May I sometimes come here? Whenever you like. It's your home, too. There are people here who love you. They look at you and Tina. Share with you peace and contentment. And just think it won't be for this time only. That is, if you will help me keep what we have. We both try hard to to protect that little strip of territory that's ours. We can talk about your child. Our child. Thank you. And will you be happy, Charlotte? Oh, Jerry, don't let us for the moon. Have the stars. That's the stuff of legends right there. Don't ask for the mood. We have the stars. God, now Voyager. In 2007, now Voyager was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. The film ranks number 23 on AFI's 100 Years, 100 Passions, a list of the top love stories in American cinema. Film critic Stephen J. Schneider suggests the film continues to be remembered not only for its star power, but also the emotional crescendos in engendered in the storyline and that that really is true and that's a testament to betty davis and all the actors in this film and the the lasting legacy ah here we go for years davis and her co-star paul henrid claimed the moment in which jerry puts two cigarettes in his mouth Lights both, then passes one to Charlotte, was developed by them during the rehearsals, inspired by a habit Henry shared with his wife. But drafts of Casey Robbins' script of the film at the University of Southern California indicate 
it was included by the screenwriter in his original script. The scene remained as indelible trademark that Davis would later exploit as hers. Oh my god. You know, some people have called the film sappy, soggy, whatever. That it is uh It's it's overly emotional or whatever. It's dramatic. It's big. It is a Betty Davis production. And when you are Betty Davis and you give it your all on that screen, you do have a reputation right there. She knew her audience. She knew what they wanted. She knew what they didn't want. They didn't want to see Betty Davis not being Betty Davis. And and a cultural icon. And sadly, 30, oh God, 33 years ago, Betty Davis died of breast cancer. And this is Breast Cancer Month. She was 81 years old. 33 years later, here we are, and we're talking about her because she was the queen bee of Hollywood. Nobody really did it the way that Betty Davis did, as did nobody did it the way Katherine Hepburn did. These two strong individuals, and they truly were individuals, and they were both New Englanders. Katherine Hepburn was from um, Connecticut, And uh, Betty Davis was from Massachusetts, Lowell, Massachusetts. She was very proud of her New England heritage, very. She loved being a Yankee, as she called it. She also loved doing Southern accents. I mean, she won her second Oscar for Jezebel opposite Mr. Henry Fonda as a Southern Belle. Before that, she won her first Oscar for Dangerous, which really she saw as a consolation prize. Because she should have won it for Of Human Bondage. And so that's that's really how we do it here at the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. As I love these films. I love paying tribute to these films. Now, before we end tonight's show, I was I was going to try to do a double parter or a two-parter. I'm tired. <laughs> and it's not lost on me that this is a love story. It's a beautiful film. That 30 years ago, a very beautiful album about love and lost love was released. And that's Sade's uh, Love Deluxe. You know, here's here's a film about lost love and, you know... Uh, Love, you know, they they want love, but they they don't fit the context of what society wants them to be. And here's this album that really just dives into all of that in a modern day setting with jazz, these beautiful jazz arrangements, and the two the way they meet each other. You know, I'm not saying to listen to Sade while watching Now Voyager, but right there you have a film about extremes and about love and unrequainted love and then you have this album about love and unrequainted love and loving oneself as well but at the end of the day now voyager that really that's in betty davis's top five 
if you think of all the films that she did, you know, and you could put All About Eve at number one, or you could put Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. There was nobody better. There really wasn't. She was parodied. An example of that is Edward Albee. Edward Albee, who wrote Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, and took that line from Beyond the Forest, where Betty Davis looks around and says, what a dump. Very, She says it very calmly, what a dump. And how Elizabeth Taylor says it in Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. And uh, uh, Elaine Stritch said it in Virginia Woolf on Broadway. And said, what a dump. And pumped it up. In fact... Um, I remember watching a biography on Betty Davis and that was the, the last thing she did before she died. She was giving, being given an honor at a film festival, probably in France. And she was 81 years old and she was not, she was not doing well. And she, she comes out there and she looks and she says, what a dump. <laughs> and she's imitating the imitators, as she said. So, yes, that, that famous, you know, don't ask for the moon, Jerry. We have the stars. That's that's on the long list of Betty Davis lines that she is for, forever remembered for. I absolutely loved her. I thought she was hilarious. But also, sadly, you know, and Diane Carroll talked about this, was what aging in Hollywood did to her psyche and how she took out an ad in the newspaper saying, you know, divorced mother of of three, winner of two Oscars. I thought, how sad. Because Hollywood, you know, once you were past 30 and 40, that was it. And Betty Davis really fought for her roles. Even when she was young. Even when she was young and how Warner Brothers would fuck with her. And... She was put on suspension and, you know, when she left Warner Brothers, I think the last film was Beyond the Forest and and there was no aplomb and there was no goodbye party. It was just her and the sound guy drinking, I think, till six in the morning or three in the morning. That's what she says. So for those of those actresses now who are able to have a life beyond 40. You need to thank Betty Davis because Betty Davis took all of that shit. She took all of that shit and then some. And she took these characters and really molded them. That that was her bread and butter. Betty Davis was a professional. When you're good at something and you're a pro, Betty Davis knew how to do it. And that's what I mean by she knew her audience. She knew her audience was with her. And at the moment in the 40s, in her prime, with Now Voyager, she knew her audience was with her. She knew her actors were with her. Gladys Cooper, I mean, Betty Davis. So it really is an extraordinary legacy, this film. And in fact, I think it was one of the the first of the... I, I had All About Eve... But I also had now Voyager. This is during the VHS days. I mean, now we have DVDs streaming. But the fact that 80 years later, 
now Voyager has really held up. It's it's an exquisite film. And it's a film told in levels. And what I, you know, like if what I mean by levels is is you have the uh, well plot-wise, you have, you know, she is Charlotte and she's a spinster and she's this dowager and then she goes through this transformation. But she doesn't just go through a physical transformation. She goes through a mental transformation because she doesn't want the verbal bashings of her mother anymore. And so that's why it's such a, it's a layered performance. You know, others would say "Eh, it's schmaltz, but that's what Betty Davis did. She gave us layered performances because you always knew there was there was a method to the madness that was Betty Davis in terms of conjuring these characters, which she really, really did. And she paid a big price for that. I think she paid a physical and emotional price for that because she, I think at the end of her life, she said her great love was film. Her great love was being an actor and fighting for those parts and her children i don't think in terms of men she felt a great love and she said that sadly she says you know my my roles really are what i live for that's that's very powerful to say and at the same time some would say very sad because she really for her it was all about the work and she didn't stop working even until her 80s, right before she died. She just kept on going. Retirement really wasn't a word that Betty Davis could grasp. And so that's the legacy of now Voyager is at the forefront. This, this actress who knew her audience, knew what her audience wanted, and they wanted this. They wanted it. Huh. So that's the Dr. Seuss Film Podcast. And um, I'd like to thank the film preservationists for keeping these films alive, specifically now Voyager. That's what it's all about. That's why it's important to support these organizations that take these films and keep them alive and restore them when they need to be restored. It's not really about, oh, let's put it in 4K. It's really about keeping the film because films can deteriorate and they have. This is really to make sure that it is preserved for a long, long time. As always, unpleasant dreams.